Hey folks and welcome to the Daily Ratings Podcast. It's a show where each week we'll sit down with Vincent Daly to get his thoughts on the latest movies he's been watching, both older films and new releases. And don't worry, there's no spoilers. Vince will give a brief review of the movie, share some thoughts, and of course, then rate the film. The Daily Ratings are always fair, honest, and most importantly, they're consistent. On today's show, Vince will be rating and reviewing... Battleship Potemkin, directed by Sergei Eisenstein, The Bridge on the River Kwai by David Lean, Swingers by Doug Lyman, Don't Worry He Won't Get Far on Foot by Gus Van Sant, and finally, newly released The Super Mario Bros. Movie, directed by Aaron Horwath and Michael Jelenic. It's going to be a great show, folks, so stay tuned and enjoy. Vincent Daly, how we doing, buddy? Tommy boy, how's it going? Uh, it's going okay on my end. How was your <laughs> birthday week of movies? Oh, yeah, my birthday. <laughs> the most esoteric list I think I've ever, I mean, <laughs> folks, if I had a gun to my head, I could not guess that Tom came up with these these films. I mean, no, I mean, given <laughs> any of these, you would have never, maybe, maybe you would have never guessed. Nah, maybe Swingers? I, yeah, maybe Swingers, maybe Swingers. Yeah, it's, it's, it's out there, though, you know. <laughs> I mean, not Bridge on the River Kwai. And definitely not. Um, definitely not Battleship. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, don't get far in foot. I remember you telling me about. The cool thing is that all the directors, mm-hmm. at least for your birthday picks this yeah. week, they're all like legendary directors, believe it or not. You know what I mean? This is, uh, they're all very notable. So you've kind of struck on a weird theme of. Uh, I know, I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> the mastermind. That's exactly there. what I did here. <laughs> yes. So I, I, I was still really happy with my with my pick. Yeah. With my picks. <laughs> yeah. Gus Van Sant. I know was a kind of he with the the one the don't worry he won't get far on foot yep. director. Mm-hmm. He does do other things like uh, Goodwill Hunting. That's um, that's right. That's milk. Right. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. That's what it was. Of course, uh, Doug Liman. I mean, Born Identity. But also, also like yep. an infamous director to work with. Apparently. Um, in a good way? Uh, no, in a bad way. Oh, I, I, that's way too deep going into it. And honestly, I don't know the full story, but apparently Lyman is a, uh, a just just a nightmare to work with on set. Uh, very uh, disorganized or unorganized. So huh. interesting. Uh, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I really like this. Okay, <laughs> I, I know you wait. do. And you have no idea whether I watched him or not. <laughs> I said I was going to watch him. Then you came in. I, folks, I came in, I said, ain't no way you sat through all these films, because I know you'd be snoozing to some of these films. I mean, you know, uh, I enjoyed watching these movies as, I, I mean, I can almost enjoy watching any movie just for the sake of, you know, getting it on the website. Sure. You know I mean, there's sure. almost a utilitarian aspect to it now, but yeah, I, I'm curious to which ones you, you got through. We, we certainly stretched the decades. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, should we, should we just get, let's get in? Sure. To sure. Tom's birthday movies. Tom's <laughs> 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 birthday. 
the worst produced <laughs> ever. <laughs> was that a Toy Story reference? <laughs> no, nope, that was. I don't even know what it was. Uh, wow, wow. I wanted to surprise you with that. I, I love that. That, See, that was that's well. Fantastic. If I was, you know, while I wasn't watching the movies, I had time on my hands <laughs> right, to do that. To do that little ditty. No, I watched. I watched. Um, I watched our first three on the list here, and okay. I wanted to get to my fourth, but I did see it already. Yeah, very true. And relatively true. soon enough, and yeah. I actually I am going to return to it again. I just I just didn't have the time. Sure, it was Fair a enough. lot of dinners. It was a lot of not time. <laughs> it was your birthday. week. It was a holiday weekend. Yep, yep. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so I, I and I didn't fall asleep. I, I watched Battleship Potemkin, The Bridge on the River Kwai, and I watched Swingers. Wow. And okay. of course, don't worry, he won't get four on foot. Like I said, that's great. I have seen already. That's great. So I can't wait to talk about them. <laughs> first, we're jumping all the way back 98 years ago this <laughs> right. is 1925's battleship potemkin directed by russian director sergey eisenstein yep how do you want to get into this exactly Ooh, i know yeah, this one was fascinating to research i mean if you want yeah. to talk about a challenge <laughs> you gave me a chat this was the challenge one um this was hard mode on reviewing um uh, i would say starting off the birthday week it is a full-on silent film obviously it's 1925 yeah uh, like i said in the beginning i mean i'm really not sure why you chose something so esoteric <laughs> like it's so niche it's so out there <laughs> but you were right on the money in that you know this this film is considered a triumph of early cinema yeah uh so uh, though only an hour and what six minutes yeah yeah was a rabbit hole of research but enjoyable for that reason the research I, I was, love doing that. <laughs> i jumped back into the research <laughs> 10 minutes in i was not getting i was just mm. like oh no i felt bad for you i just, just I was like you gotta be kidding me so then i was like all right let's jump into it and i was enjoying it more with the research and mm -hmm. i think the movie takes off in a, in a decent way actually yeah but again going back it's it's on so one of the reasons why i definitely wanted it on the birthday list is two reasons one i know how critically reviewed it is as one of the best movies of all time sure it's on multiple countries list as one of their best movies of all time mm. not even though it was russian made you know yep. as far as people have their own american yep. film yep. and you know institute or whatever for other countries it's that game of okay it's literally 98 years later how does it hold up how does it hold up yeah. you know are the people who has reviewed it recently or people like uh, of our age that are, are critics and just haven't mm -hmm. you know what i mean mm -hmm. are on the sites are they i mean i think this was probably the peak of going back and looking at reviews and seeing that no one has touched this film critically in i mean 50 plus years maybe and people <laughs> and it was still getting really high reviewed in the 50s and 60s yeah I absolutely believe. and even by then i don't know it's like i don't know, people are up their own ass about it i don't know <laughs> Right, right. And then it was a good time to go back. So another reason why I put it on the birthday list is, is like it's a movie that I would probably never actually sit down and watch, and I think mm. it would take you years to watch it as well. Uh, absolutely, because it's just like, yeah, you know, I have but, an idea kicking around that when we come up on a hundredth anniversary of a film, maybe covering right. that, you know. But uh, you know, we'll see. <laughs> so the reason why it was big for the time and it was fun doing the research was in 1925, America was not one of the big cinema guns. Basically, sure, absolutely. You had Europe, especially coming out of France. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You had Russia. And maybe a little bit of the Scandinavian countries, but mm -hmm. America was not really too big yet up until the late twenties. Basically, yep. that's the start of the golden age of of Hollywood, especially when talking could be yep. a kind of done in film. So this is so early back when you know the advent of kind of film or people able to view things in motion and everything like that, where mm -hmm. an orchestra could be put be put back behind it was late 1800s. Mm -hmm. So we are 25, 26, 27, 28 years after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but it's still so early on that one of the reasons why they say how huge this movie was or why it was big was Sergei Eisenstein, the director, was one of the main guys you of using the theory of montage yes, in yes. film early editing basically and he didn't right he didn't create the term montage he yep. didn't create that theory but he's the one that they say almost perfected it and made it a workable yep. kind of i don't know uh, something that could actually make money and, and be mm-hmm. successful mm-hmm. and the idea of we all know what montage kind of means now right back then apparently montage theory was was layering things not side to side, but layering things on top of each other. And like mm. you said, just mm-hmm. editing, basically. Yeah. And his big thing, I guess the through lines of the movie, the themes of the movie, mm-hmm. he says that he thinks half of it gets there in this film just mm. because of the editing, not because of the actual shots themselves. Sure, sure. So... And you can see that in, in the action sequences uh, of how things are cut away from and then returned to as well in the same, you know, couple of seconds. Yeah. I mean, it sounds silly to give credit or give praise to something so simple as just normal editing. But, right. you know, again, all things in context, uh, this is a he's, a he's a pioneer of this. It's so. crazy. Yeah, absolutely wild. Um, he has a couple other well-known films. Uh, this is definitely by far the biggest. Yeah. So that's why I was on the list. Let's kind of let's kind of get into it. It's it's, it's not long. It's an hour and six movies. It's yeah, yeah. 1925, like I said. You want to take it away a little bit? Sure, and sure. I'll, I'll poke in here or there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I think where I'm coming away from this is that I do appreciate in a, in a film historian sense the breakthrough techniques in editing. However, watching and recommending it in modern day is a little tough. The film tells the story of the uh, 1905 Russian revolt uh, spurred on by revolution aboard the battleship Potemkin. Director Sergei Eisenstein uh, makes a dramatized version of true events easily could be seen as a nationalist and honestly biographical account uh, of the country at the time. And that national piece is fully cranked up because this was originally a part of a cycle of films that were made at the time to celebrate the Bolsheviks and be revolutionary propaganda. This is why I was kind of challenged even in the recommending piece because as revolutionary as techniques are for this mm-hmm. uh, film, um, I mean, uh, <laughs> where, where am I challenged to put propaganda uh, amidst other films in 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 recommending them for for audiences. I had an interesting thing coming out of it though where it was almost like not that it was anti-war propaganda mm. but it was anti big army, it was oh, anti yeah. big, you know what I mean? It was it's anti-establishment, it's bourgeoisie. And that was almost surprising because you would think for a film to come out like this mm-hmm. under such heavy Russian control, it almost is just like you would it would I'm surprised they weren't forced to be making films that were pro Russian military, mm. and it was an anti-Russian military mm-hmm, film. Mm-hmm. You know that that kind of surprised me. Yeah, so absolutely. Pro- propaganda, but but interesting propaganda, in my yeah, opinion. You absolutely, know? and definitely has a place in in the film landscape. Again, if only for its technique. Right. The film is comprised of five chapters, uh, despite being just a little bit over an hour. Um, the mutiny on the ship is only half the story, however, as the real focus across these chapters are on the Russian people's perception of these events. Uh, I would say that's where the emotion of this, you know, again, I'm not trying to overly label it as propaganda, but it's trying to ank- uh, it's trying to amp up the 
the feeling of angst, the feeling of oppression uh, that is going to sure. play in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's going to play into you know actual revolution. So, the scale of what is shown on screen achieves a slight documentary feel, honestly, in its realism. The only thing separating it being a this this kind of ultra sympathetic tone that the story takes on. Uh, believe it or not, there is some striking imagery as you're watching to kind of stir emotions and, most importantly, anger as well, putting you in the front lines of revolution. Uh, I would say, without a doubt, the climax being the chapter around the civilians in the town Odessa, showing how everyone and anyone can be a victim to the disconnected bourgeoisie and the dis disconnected establishment of it. I would say, as far as praise for specific shots, that chapter as well. Yeah. Visually stunning. Um, very, the, very yeah. good looking. I, I was, you know, that first chapter and getting into that second chapter for me was a little rough. Yeah. So I actually, I dropped this movie and then I picked it up again. Okay. So I watched maybe the mm, 18 minutes of it. Okay. And then I picked it up again, watched it all the way through sure. again. That sure. was nice. That was helpful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I would say that first chapter and a half, because it's five, mm -hmm. five chapters. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was like, okay, I'm not... I yeah, they're like, just I, focusing I just, on maggots and meat. I just feel like, like <laughs> I could be getting... And just the cuts. And not only that, you're dealing with old filmography. You're dealing yeah, with yeah. rough color. I mean, at one point I was just like, <laughs> if, you, if you are prone to like... Epilepsy or like seizures, don't watch this because it is just so flickery. Yeah, you know, I mean, the yeah. light is so flickering right. at times, especially the brights of the day, too. Yes, uh, 100%. When we hit that town, when we hit Odessa, which many people might know, it's, it's in the news a lot in the past year and a half oh, because really? Odessa is now Ukraine. Oh, oh of course. And of in course. fact, not, not even Eastern Ukraine, but Western Ukraine, mm -hmm. but it's a major port. Um, and it's a very big port town. Mm -hmm. So once we hit that, actually, quite. Impressive shots, yeah, and yeah. movement in shots, and it's like, oh, I'm starting, I get it, yeah, I'm starting to get it, absolutely. Even to the point that there's the scene where the baby is in in a carriage, just tipping and falling down the stairs, and I feel like just like that alone is in film DNA. Uh, the concept of like, oh, is the baby gonna tip down? Who's gonna save it? You know, it's one uh, of the. <laughs> it's funny you say that. One <laughs> of the first things I read about the film where uh -huh. people were just like. Oh, so many films now take from that film. That's yeah, the film right. that so many people work on. And they made a specific thing. Oh, and the baby carriage. Everyone's known the baby carriage. Yeah, it's been done yeah. a thousand times now. And I have not really known that. Yeah. But then watching it, it's just like, okay, oh, there it is. Yeah. I was like, I was like okay, this is it. This is it. <laughs> this is when it. Get ready. <laughs> but definitely powerful imagery. Yeah, absolutely. And, and for sure well shot. And I didn't I wasn't expecting the size of the cast. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, I think they were definitely pulling from real townspeople. Oh, absolutely. And uh, it was large. It was, yeah. I wouldn't call it an epic, especially for how short it is, but quite a right. lot of people, I can only imagine for 1925 to I like be making a film. Yeah, and that's what I mean by this this kind of the realism that almost makes it slightly documentary. It's in the scale of these these crowds. It's uh, right. It doesn't feel like a fake town. Yeah, it really it's doesn't. It's in Odessa. I'm pretty right. sure they're they're filming in Odessa. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, it, it's very interesting for that reason. Um, I would say considering how old this film is, I, I like you said, I enjoy a lot of the cinematography. There's also a lot of camera zooms just on characters and characters' yeah. faces. And I would say that, again, emphasizes emotion in the visual language of the film. Uh, without a doubt, uh, the early editing highlight of this is, um, is fantastic. Uh, like we mentioned already with even just action scenes, just being able to cut quickly back and forth between the franticness of what's going on the ship or maybe what happens within a crowd yeah. reacting to news. It, it, when you're watching it, <laughs> it, it feels the norm because it is 
the, the norm of what editing is today. Yeah. Um, so I, choppy. Sure. I mean, let's. I mean, let's. You know. Let's be honest. It's not smooth. <laughs> right. right. Um, this isn't. These aren't the smoothest transitions and yeah. things like that. And it doesn't help. I don't. One thing I didn't couldn't find. I only did so much research sure. on it. Mm-hmm. Was what the frame rate kind of back then was and what was oh. being used because it definitely was that quick. Especially when you see some people walking on the ship. Yeah. It's yeah. like okay, this is not whatever it is twenty four thirty four sure. or something sure. like yeah. that. Whatever it is. Yeah. And, and, and you'll find that a lot with silent films. There's oh, yeah. that speed up, uh, yep. sped up uh, old timiness to yeah, it. Exactly. Uh, which right. uh, I don't know if that is part of you know this this montage theory that we'll get into in just a second, but. I don't know if they he's he's speeding that up in the edit, or no, if that's just I, a product of the cameras at the time. No, I think so. yeah, I think you could only get so many frames per second. Yeah, yeah. So like I said, maybe it's like eighteen or twenty or something mm, like that, and that's why it's just slightly more. Yep, a little bit jerky. E- exactly. Yep. Yeah, but absolutely. I'm not really sure by that. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, uh, like I said, you know, when you, when you're watching this, it you know it, it's hard to maybe say you know this editing is is a praise for the film because it. Kind of just feels like a a bad edit today, <laughs> or, or, right. or an amateur edit today. But at the time, uh, films were nowhere near as sophisticated. So much so that historians credit Eisenstein with uh, his contributions at developing the art uh, in this early stage, uh, and named a Soviet montage theory. Uh, and again, montage is not being used in like matching music with like a snappy sequence. It's much more being used in a in an old fashioned way mm-hmm. that it's uh, it's it's just layered frames and, and and cutting away and returning to those frames. Uh, sadly, I would say I think this is probably only a watch for the history buffs and film enthusiasts. Um, if anything, a wonderful film for the cross paths of those two groups. If you are a history buff and you like watching old film and you like watching the foundational work uh, in a lot of ways, I feel like this hits a sweet spot, honestly, for some people, for some audiences. I would say where I'm coming in in with a little bit of a lukewarm reception, though, for my recommendation, I think unlike some of the horror silent films we covered, uh, the medium of how this is presented is really doing it no favors. Uh, I would argue the aesthetic of those films were elevated in creepiness by being silent, Mm -hmm. where I do not see this film outdoing a modern documentary of the same events and the same dramatization. Uh, and I feel like that's where, unfortunately, the age is is chipping away at it. Where, again, with those silent horror films, the medium of silent films, it, it elevates it in well, the, some way. The medium of horror as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. With, with uh, this, you could say that it maybe helps with suspense a little bit. Sure. Because you're dealing... You only have sheer emotion to be going off of. Mm-hmm. And how this is also set up, folks, is you might, you know, obviously people are talking on screen. You can't hear them. Mm-hmm. And then it breaks away off the times with subtitles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and sometimes Russian subtitles where the English subtitles are in the way. Like they kind of overlap <laughs> yeah. each other. It's kind of yeah. tough to read sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Criterion could have done a little bit better of a right. job. <laughs> but it's not it's not pure just watching people's reactions. Yeah. But I, it's nice getting those tastes of actual text and seeing what people are saying or something like that and it's bringing you in and out and you know but you're still relying heavily and like i said maybe that can add to some suspense or something like that just because you're going off so much body language yeah but yeah it's tough because i feel like um as as foundational as the work is uh, i i feel like it can be done 
so much better. I don't have an example of this story or uh, a documentary even to call reference to. And mm-hmm. and maybe that's something if, if um, listeners of the show are craving, I'll be happy to jump into maybe a historical special or something like that or a documentary special. But here, unfortunately, I don't see that the case. You know, both the, for the dramatization and the historical retelling, I feel like the its format, its silent film was it was a burden to it. I would say again, this does hit a very unique sweet spot uh, for historians and film buffs. Uh, if that good old communist manifesto is getting a little dusty, maybe <laughs> <laughs> treat yourself to some Soviet propaganda. We're gonna go ahead and give the battleship Potemkin, nineteen twenty-five, a fifty-five. Wow. Okay. I feel like it. Uh, this is fun. This is a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this is. Uh, it, it was. It was again. It was very challenging. The next one, very challenging to where I want to put things. But uh, this one, I didn't regret watching it at all, and I think that's where it uh, it tips on the on the upper end. Okay, of I, I I didn't I didn't regret watching it either. Yeah. That being said, I feel like I'm thinking back. I'm thinking more positively on it once uh, when it was over, kind sure. of than actually sitting in and dealing with it. Mm-hmm. I think your 55 is higher than I thought you were going to give it. Oh, really? Okay. I was, I was thinking, I was thinking 30s, maybe 40s. Oh, so the fact wow. that it topped that 55 yeah. is very impressive. You're also coming from a film buff, exactly. And I mean, I'm kind of a little bit there. You know, I might mm-hmm. got a toe in the water a little bit. You know, I host the podcast. I turn the mics on. You like I'm history. Here. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. There you go. <laughs> So overall, I was really struggling with where to where to put this. Okay, mm-hmm. and we're solidifying the shoes. Okay. Oh boy. One shoe. No, we go zero shoe. One shoe. Yep. One shoe with laces. Okay. Two shoes. Yep. Two shoes, one lace, no lace. Two shoes, two laces. Okay. I think I got it straight. <laughs> I'll have to take some notes, but. <laughs> like I said, the first the first chapter um, and a half really. Tough. Yeah. Tough is just like, I almost yeah. was about to call you and be like, sorry about this. <laughs> yeah. I was literally like, I'm sorry. I was watching. I was saying, no way is he not <laughs> snoring through this one. <laughs> so I have to say, I'm struggling between one and one with a lace. Okay. I, I think what we're going to do. <laughs> sorry, breaking the, the ironclad rules. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I think what we're going to do, we're going to give this. A one shoe. Okay. Okay, but I'm going to give this a one shoe. <laughs> I literally thought about giving it one shoe plus. <laughs> or one shoe asterisk. One shoe, or one shoe asterisk. golden soul. Or <laughs> the reason why is, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, I don't think this is the film to just turn on. Don't sit mm-hmm. down and just watch this film. Mm-hmm. But if you have an itch for seeing how film was born, mm. how we came 98 years later to get some of the productions that we have now, mm-hmm. I think absolutely watch it because there are, just as though I didn't like the first chapter and a half, mm-hmm. the second act of the movie, maybe chapter two to chapter four or yeah. something like that, really enjoyable. Yeah. And like, oh, wow, this was 1925. It made it much more that impressive. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give this one shoe. Okay. But honestly, I think for anybody, <laughs> it would be maybe cool to go on YouTube and watch just some of the chapters. Kind of yeah. see where film was born because there's legitimately just sticking, maybe not impressive by today's standards, but mm-hmm. with the people they were dealing with and with some of the shots that were made and everything like that and the storytelling, mm-hmm. I actually was kind of impressed. Absolutely. Not enough to raise it that much because... It's just a, it's an old film, you right, know? And, right. then, and there's some, and honestly, the last chapter I didn't care about too much either. <laughs> um, and knowing that the movie was coming to an end, you can kind of almost assume where it's going to go. Yeah, yeah. So I, know I, what you mean. I, I kind of give it a one shoe plus, 
but um, a one shoe. And I think just check out some clips on YouTube. Unless you're that hill- yeah. history buff, we definitely have some people who like to listen who mm-hmm. are into film and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and give it a watch. Yeah. It's an hour and six minutes of your time. Exactly. It, there, there is also. I think why it struck north of fifty for me is because. Uh, it's also kind of like, you know, really, how much time are you investing into this? It's kind of like if, if you find yourself in this uh, in this uh, group that might be interested into it, definitely not a bad watch because it's not wasting your time right. in any sort of way. Just so. a weird watch. <laughs> like I said, <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, man. Are you surprised I watched it all the way through? Thomas Record, the Marxist. That's how. <laughs> that's, what? That's, <laughs> That's how I'm going to have to describe you from now Again, on. Again, but I could also said, take it as somewhat anti-Marxist because it was like anti-the military. Uh, true, and true. And it's just shocking to me that was, that was allowed to be made when it was so... T- take, a, take a movie like in a book, like mm-hmm. All Quiet on the Western Front. Sure. Extremely anti-military. Um, military war. A- anti-war. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that book it was burned. Yep. Um, and the movie was not allowed to be shown mm-hmm. in certain parts of the world. Mm-hmm. This was allowed... In 1925, Russia, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Even though mm-hmm. it was so anti, uh, anti the military. Yeah. So very, it was strange. It was yeah. written that way. Yeah, absolutely. But okay, so that is 55% for uh, Battleship Potemkin. Sometimes you could also say uh, Podiemkin or something. Oh, really? Yeah. I know I was tripping over myself uh, <laughs> with the word. It's <laughs> <laughs> but uh, okay, so we're, we're moving on. I wanted a 50s film in there. This has oh, actually boy, been on the. You? This has been on the back of my mind for a while. Okay, and again, maybe it's something I want to just go ahead and sit down. It's a fifties movie, which is very appealing to for you to watch for me, <laughs> and also it is a big name. This is again very well known yeah. as one of the better films or big epics made mm-hmm. in film history. This is 1957's The Bridge on the River Kwai, directed by David Lean. A very large production again. Oh, a yeah. lot of people to be worrying about. It's uh, definitely in in the nature, not on some big Hollywood studios. Oh, yeah, it's definitely on site. So let's get into it. How did we like the bridge on the River Kwai? Uh, yeah, I, I think I think I'm walking away very appreciative of the production. This has seven Oscar wins, including Best Picture. I mean, that's what we call sweep (laughs) in this day and age. Uh, Director David Lean is no stranger to success, though. Uh, He made Oliver Twist, uh, Dr. Zhivago, and, of course, the legendary Lawrence of Arabia. So, uh, like I said in the very beginning, uh, you were hitting on, you know, really like some standout directors and directors that we don't really get to or we haven't gotten to on the podcast. So, uh, I was was happy we could knock something like this out. Um, these are all movies that should be on the website, so I'm happy that you introduced this because hopefully they will be on the podcast and the website soon enough. Right. So, our setup here is in World War II, we follow a British prisoner of war, or POWs, in a Japanese labor camp tasked with constructing a, uh, an actual non-fiction uh, Burma Railway. There is no barbed wire, there is no stockade, and no watchtower. They are on a jungle island and will simply die if they try to escape. And while there is an odd bargain struck within our camp to achieve some sort of order and production for this railway and this bridge, our B-plot is spent with a squad trying to infiltrate the camp that is near impossible to escape in the first place. I would say some highlights definitely come down to Sir Alec Guinness, uh, Ben Kenobi himself. <laughs> I can't say I've really watched a lot with uh, with Alec Guinness, and uh, he's this new arrival to the camp playing the British Colonel Nicholson, attempting to kind of bring civility to this 
POW camp through Geneva laws and and respect uh, from his men. I would say the biggest thing I can do to properly disposition any watcher of this film is that don't think of it as a war movie and try not to really think of it as a as a violent movie either. Uh, it really is a movie about duty and morals and uh, honor a little bit. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Those rules are, are met with deaf ears, however, uh, as the Japanese colonel Saito has little patience for anything. Uh, he has a ticking clock of his own to meet and, like any bad boss, takes it out on everyone around him, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, uh, again, my biggest praise is for Alec Guinness and a well-deserved only Oscar win for him. He does get the an Oscar posthumously for uh, Star Wars. Um, Interesting. Okay. Uh, for Ben Kenobi. I didn't know that. Yeah. His character, honestly, was just so well-defined and never wavers throughout the story. I would say a rare example of a flawlessly good character working on screen. He wins the viewer over with heroics, not of the dramatic variety, but of courage in the face of a no-win scenario. Some of the role does capture the chipper tone that I despise in these 50s movies, but his character earns the right over and over again in scene by his pure willpower and pure duty alone. The ability to endure. Yeah. 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 Big time. I'll get into a moment that where this, this tone, once again, I'm finding myself at odds uh, with a little bit of the yeah, tone. Yeah, you are. Uh, you, you are at odds with this one. Yeah. Um, but uh, as far as performances go, uh, as far as production, uh, these are all big highlights here. Yeah. Uh, and, and Alec uh, is well-deserved of... Uh, the uh, for best best leading actor, uh, I do have <laughs> one big big critique though. I'm gonna have to go on for a little bit here. <laughs> really, when it comes down to it, even even in how I present it, which is a direct quote from the film: "No stockades, no uh, no barbed wire. You know, they, 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 if they escape, they die." Verbally. The camp's lethality is communicated to us in almost countless ways. However, only a fraction of that menace is actually felt on screen. Uh, I was really craving some brutality here in our opposition, but we are so seldomly shown it. Again, if there's anything that I can do to help folks at home that may want to watch this, don't expect a violent war film... Don't expect a brutal film, uh, because if anything, I think I was shot in the foot a little bit, mm. expecting, even just from its own premise of this lethal labor camp, uh, there to be a little bit more intensity to it. I would say a lot of ways this is not meant to be a violent film at all, and that doesn't mean, however, we throw out rising tension as a storytelling technique. There are countless examples of this in the film. At a little under an hour in, we have a conflict between both colonels, and honestly, Saito feels like such a weak antagonist to this whole story. A desperate attempt at bribery and flustered emotions in the scene certainly succeeds at making Alec Guinness look great, but fails at building necessary stakes. And I feel like this film, it failed in making those some of those stakes for me, honestly. The worst moments of the film are when the striking setting, a hellish POW labor camp, is portrayed as a lackadaisical summer vacation with whistling soldiers taking a dip in the water. Uh, I feel like the film had such a self-resolving type of plot for that reason. And I don't mean to dwell on this, but even when the plot is in full swing, nothing is done to twist the knife. No challenges are placed in front of it. Uh, no challenges are 
are meant to complicate the relationship that is forged between these two kernels. And if anything, obstacles just start resolving themselves. There's nothing to complicate it further. And like I always say, no salt and pepper. What 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 are your thoughts? So it's that? funny because my initial thought too, with seeing the men kind of in the water and they the way they were working, right? I was expecting. It's funny. I just thought the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. This is where you want to see some. Uh, I don't know, lightweight torture yeah. or or some type of obedience, yeah. um, you know, be, beaten into submission type thing. Because I think in the beginning of the film, it's getting across the menacing aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think it lacks luster. Now, there needs to be a certain, just with the way that the story is, there mm-hmm. needs to be a turn kind mm-hmm. of with that. Mm-hmm. But I think it could have been built up better, just as you said. It, it's, it's funny to say, T- technically the movie is rated pg Mm. And I don't know if that came after the film came out because mm-hmm. we're dealing with sure, um, the yeah. 50s. Mm-hmm. But it's funny because I almost want to say while watching it, it felt a little PG. Mm. And it does, and it shouldn't. It, it, should. it should be a little bit more yeah. intense. Yeah. I don't need, and I understand this is the 50s. I wasn't expecting a lot of blood. I wasn't mm-hmm. expecting like crazy effects or mm-hmm. fake livers and everything like that. Right, right. But it's the brutality there that seemed, that did. It, it did seem a little bit light. Yeah. Maybe they could have held on to. What was very brief brutality, they could have hung that for a little bit longer. Yeah. Make Saito an asshole. Make, uh, I don't know. And he is. And he is. In the yeah. be- that's what I'm saying. In the beginning. Right. It could have been fortified a little bit more before those walls start to get breaking down, broken yeah, down. Exactly. Um, there's a subversion, I think, in how we expect this movie to go. And I guess that's maybe worth some praise, but I feel it's at the detriment of the setting, the premise, and why we're even paying attention. I just feel like things started resolving themselves left and right, and nothing sure. was done to amp it up further. Sure, yeah. You, know, you can have that, but I, I just feel like, yeah, uh, it, it was it was an odd thing to, to come across, um, especially because when so easily you could have just made Saito a, you know, just a terrible, I mean, he's already described as like a, this, this kind of high strung, he's breaking down. He yeah. does not have control over his men. I don't know. Make some of the soldiers lash out uh, and complicate things in this. Instead, you know, right down to that whistling tone that all the soldiers have, it just felt like, okay, and we're good. You know, it's going swimmingly. You know, it's going great. Yeah. I, yeah. I think it could have been done by maybe like two or three more scenes of, of yeah. brutality in the beginning. Again, mm-hmm. if the walls need to be broken down, I get it where the story needs to go. Mm-hmm. It could have been built up more for some more adversity that we can feel through the screen a little bit. Yeah. And I also think that it had me wondering what kind of movie. It, it's funny how you say how don't think of it as a war movie. Don't think about that. Mm. What was the movie supposed to be? Like I understand mm, what character am I supposed to care the most about? Obviously, I understand it's Alec Guinness, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it, things are kind of just moving along at some point. Yeah. So do I start to really care about the American? Yep. And plot B mm-hmm. and B team and mm-hmm. you know what I mean. So it is a bit of a waffling of of where does my where's my main interest? Where's my heart really? Yeah. With you know what exactly. I mean. Exactly. There there's a there's a character in this the medic. He's actually challenging Colonel Nicholson and, and saying why are you doing this? Why are you cooperating? Why is this going so smooth? And or uh, wh- it's going so far that it could be portrayed as abating the not abating the enemy. Yeah. Sure. It, yeah. Yeah, assisting, assisting the, the, yeah. the enemy, yeah. yeah. His response is, well, you don't understand how the army works. And, and if anything, in a very real way, I felt that. I was like, maybe I just don't understand the point of well, this in a way. And the colonel even uh, gives an explanation there, too. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. And it's it's more than just what's going on. It's really, yeah. it's, 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 
mental strength for his men in, yeah. in certain ways. And it's like, okay. Yeah. I love the medic, by the way. Yeah. That's yeah. the character I came out really enjoying yeah, uh, yeah. by the end of it all, you know? Right. And if anything, I wanted more people challenging him a little bit. Um, or him challenging more. Sure. Him yeah. getting into a fight, fist fight with, with <laughs> right. something. Yeah, something. It's, we definitely were coming on this in, in the same way. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to say this film is not an epic. It is. Right, right. And, but I, it's funny just how, and I don't know if it, because it's a product of the 50s or because mm-hmm. we're just, you know, 70 years later now 75 years later of there just could have been so much more of a drama sure like, like it could have been done much better in different ways yeah as far as b team is concerned at times i hated the american <laughs> oh really and at times i liked him <laughs> right, right you know and but sometimes it was just too light the, the, the brevity of it all was yeah <sighs> taking me out a little bit like, yeah absolutely I should it's, say it's two hours and 40 minutes too yeah and if anything, because of the runtime, it needed that drama, it needed the twist of the knife. But um, I would say, with, with that other way, I think there there's some seriously ground made up with the film in the production itself. I would say this is much better produced and much more unique in its production than other films at the time, showing a shocking amount, honestly, shocking amount of location shots. I think the film looks beautiful considering that this is the decade where big Hollywood sets are really the norm here. Uh, shots of the jungle have a wonderful realism as pit prisoners struggle in the hot tropical weather, and many local natives are also brought in for filming. There's a shot where a grenade goes off and real thousands of jungle bats are on screen yeah. <laughs> and it's like oh wow like there's no doubt like yeah they they set off an explosive and just filmed all these jungle bats <laughs> so you know the, the production is really taking it up a notch uh, thankfully and i would say saving it honestly from a k mutiny mm-hmm. scenario oh yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much uh, all of the b plot as well becomes a jungle expiration and i would say it just looks stunning i mean both for 1950 and today so you know i mean i i think this film is a triumph in on location shooting in production and coordination uh and that that definitely is a feather in the cap for for david lean uh as is pretty much every one of his works Mm -hmm. so i think the filmmaking on display from lean as a director really saved it for me plot and the story was what was bringing it way way down uh, I had a lot of excitement to study Lean's works in context of the podcast and website, especially Dr. Zhivago, uh, but this one did not live up to the legend, sadly. Uh, not a bad movie whatsoever, and certainly worth a watch, but did not reach the heights of why this film is instantly recognizable in name alone. We're going to go ahead and give The Bridge on the River Kauai, 1957, a 69. Oh, 69. Okay, that you thought it was striking low. Well, the way you were talking about it, yeah, yeah. I thought it was striking lower. Now, I, now for me, mm-hmm. well, go ahead. What were you about to say? Uh, I, I just, just that uh, the production, it's, it's so impressive that it overcomes. I mean, if, if story is just going to be one element, yes, mm-hmm. a very dominant element, it is on, only one element of a you know a whole palette of what that film has to offer. Right. Okay. So I'm coming away with. Um, great set, great production, mm-hmm. definitely use of location, phenomenal acting for the most part, really good. Mm-hmm. And I really like the plot. I really like the plot. Okay, I just think it could have just been done a little bit better. Right. And the whole I couldn't I couldn't help but come across it of 
okay, it did get there. There were it's it's a good movie, but mm-hmm. it's just it could have been better. And that's what I was mm-hmm. saying myself. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that definitely helped it along would then be eh or something like that. Like Alec Guinness was oh, phenomenal yeah. as a colonel, Absolutely. and that really does help. That really does help. Some of the characters, some of the acting was great. Uh, colonel Saito. I, I liked him. I liked him in yeah. that role. I thought that was good as well. So, uh, yeah, at first I was like, oh, I don't know. All in all, this gets a pretty solid two shoes. Okay. I was going into it, like you, I think, mm-hmm. thinking that this was a two shoes and one, with one of the laces tied. Sure. I thought we were going to be in that territory because of the name, because of the, the size, the yeah. length of the film. Easy masterpiece. So it was a little bit of a letdown, but at the same time, it's it's a very good two shoes. Which, yep. by the way, that is what your 69 says. Sure, sure, absolutely. I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should have been taking notes. But uh, <laughs> um, okay, so sixty nine in the two shoes there for the bridge on the river Kwai. Uh, perplexed, I, I I wouldn't mind returning to it again. Yeah. Two three years now yeah. that I know what the deal is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would love to get just as good of an HD copy. Personally, yeah, yeah absolutely. But that would be great, especially for those jungle sequences. Mm-hmm. So, but okay, sixty nine. I think that's fair. Sixty nine percent for you. Two shoes for me. Yeah, funny, a letdown, but it saved in many ways in the end. Yeah, uh, it, it was it was very hard, and, and believe me, uh, don't get me wrong, uh, it's hard uh, being a contrarian in something that's referred to as such a classic as this. Yeah, uh, and uh, even though I could see the elements, I couldn't deny the experience, and the experience I thought was just like and I did like the story in, in ways. I thought yeah. the story just could have been done better. Right. I like our characters. I like how it's not a war film, how it's not violent. Right, yeah. But uh, it just it just needed that salt and pepper. It needed the knife twisted a little bit for stakes. Okay. Okay. Well, we're taking a big old jump. <laughs> oh, this one man. certainly isn't a war movie either. Um, we're jumping to 1996. <laughs> this is Swingers. Reason behind this is I knew I needed a comedy in there. <laughs> I love me some Vince Vaughn, so let's start pretty early back with him. Yep, yep. And let's do 1996's <coughs> Swingers, directed by Doug Lehman. This is rated R, a zippy hour and 36 minutes. <laughs> and let's get into it a little bit, Vin. How do we like it? Uh, Tom, you are so money, you don't even know how money you are. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's the line. Uh, I would say this is a shocking movie in the sense that it is almost identical to Sideways, which we covered a few weeks ago and i had not known yeah i didn't know about this uh it is i mean (laughs) almost so much so that i was questioning both films because they were really i mean especially in favreau's character favreau's character is almost exact to paul giamatti's character okay so break that Uh, down a little bit why is that what uh it's it's the it's a comedic setup uh around getting over a girl Mm mm-hmm uh, it's a getting over a girl kind of subgenre romance film. It's certainly a comedy. Vince Vaughn's character is absolutely Sandman's character <laughs> in oh. sideways that he wow. is without inhibition and tries to get him out of his shell and is kind of a good best friend, but also a bad best friend. Okay. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I mean, uh, I'll get into it a little bit more, but uh, but that that's that's where I'm standing with this film and, and works in just the same way that Sideways works. Uh, this is one of the first films from the troublesome director, Doug Lyman, uh, him going on to do many hits like The Born Identity and Edge of Tomorrow, uh, and written by the legend John Favreau, also starring in it, uh, in it as the lead actor, uh, is the first script that he has picked up. I- I'll be honest, it maybe feels inflated a little bit to have him be 
lead actor as well. Uh, I thought this movie was a lot of, th- of fun, though, and sold authenticity through Favreau's performance. You can tell it's his own character. It's his own script that he's working mm-hmm. with. Right. So. Swingers doesn't refer to married couples sleeping around, rather to a group of young men in the short-lived swing revival culture of the 90s and glorification of slick Las Vegas appeal. Set in L.A., our cast uh, is are all struggling actors and single guys attempting to pick up girls. Uh, two of them are our main focus. John Favreau playing Mike, a starving comedian that is... Far too intellectual for his for his own good. Uh, getting uh, over a recent breakup with his ex. And Vince Vaughn playing Trent, Mike's ever cool best friend that is equally a lady killer and loyal dude to help him out of a rut. Um, that's basically our setup there. And I'll be honest, and I honestly might catch some flack for this, but I, I where I say I was looking at Sideways from 2004... I almost question why I got any praise at all when it's clearly done, you know, wow, eight years okay. in Swinger. Started looking at it a little sideways. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> a little sideways. <laughs> you know, uh, replace every line containing wine references with this fast-talking charm, and you have the same movie eight years earlier. Favreau's character, as the focus, has the same exact issue of standing in his own way when it comes to romance, and nearly all of the comedy uses him as a platform, and uses that as its platform i would say this this film won me over in a lot of ways uh specifically uh favreau's early rant on going out to endless pointless parties struck home very close okay i feel like i've been i've (laughs) ranted that to some of our friends in real life that i don't want to go to endless parties and, and achieve nothing so um i really enjoyed his character there I would say I would describe the script as having a dialect in 90s asshole. Um, It's it's lovable, it's quotable, but it's undeniably bro for the time. It's not bro, but it's bro for the time. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. However, this is by no means a lowbrow comedy. Raunchy at times, yes, but characters are well-written and placed in long conversations that show us their unique perspective on life to then be subverted with a joke uh, somehow. I would say, honestly, the high point for me is in the dialogue. You know, it's absolutely top-notch and can hang with the best. So many wonderful uncut scenes of them just rapid-fire bouncing off of each other. There was a non-stop rhythm of slick conversations that was so enjoyable to watch, and the camera knows not to back away from this. I would say that's props to the script, props to the performance, but a fixed camera and lack of cuts is what truly takes most of these scenes up a notch and beyond just a cookie-cutter, you know, bro romance type of comedy. Okay. So... No, no, I just <laughs> ping pong it. <laughs> I, I um, I'll, I'll just say right away, I was not a big fan of this movie. Really? Yeah. Wow. I wasn't. Fe- I just was not feeling it. I don't know. Okay. Um, <laughs> I wasn't as impressed. It's almost like, man, I, I came across a little bit different than the writing. Okay. The writing was almost a little bothersome to me. Okay. Um, because. I almost thought, not that it was trying too hard or it thought it was better than it really was, mm. is kind of how it was coming across. Okay. I really, John Favreau's character, I, I liked mm-hmm. and I liked the way it was written and I enjoyed, I enjoyed him the most. <laughs> Vince Vaughn, it was nice to see Vince Vaughn so early on because I can see 
how he became the Vince Vaughn that we know. Oh, his trademark. Yeah, of, but uh, of yeah. just his Vince Vaughnness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in in his early stages of developing that and being so young and so skinny, he was a little. <laughs> annoying at times wow. i was a little annoyed with vince vaughn at times to be honest about this it this is your guy this i is your know boy. <laughs> i know it's, it hurts to say that's amazing not that i found him an, an overall annoying character but i found him to be annoying sometimes sure sure um and i thought his writing was lackluster compared to john favreau's writing mm-hmm. so that didn't help and where i'm saying is it's like he would it was so repetitive some of this stuff i mean he just at, in the beginning just calling john favreau baby baby just constantly <laughs> baby <laughs> And it was just like, I don't know, it was just kind of was annoying. Some of the other scenes, I just thought it was over. It was just extra. Yep. Some of it was just extra. Yep, yep. Uh, some of the shots I found also, I don't know, I, I found myself just kind of being bored a little bit. Okay. And I wish, maybe I came into it with, with, with thinking too highly of it mm-hmm. um, off the bat. I just thought I was going to be having a good time with these guys a little mm. bit more. I thought I was going to be having more fun with it or in with them a little bit. More but, of a Wedding Crashers vibe. Yeah, I mean, not not necessarily even that. Just okay. a better of a time, and there was a little bit. It was slower, mm-hmm. and the dialogue was it, it dragged a little bit, in my opinion. Yep. The movie dragged, and I can understand how you can appreciate it, where the camera knew not to stop. Mm. Or maybe I was sitting there wishing that it did stop mm. a little bit. You wanted a little bit snappy. Yeah, and it's like I said, it's an hour and thirty six. It is it is a snappy film, but I found it to be dragging. Or scenes were happening that I just couldn't get invested into too much. Mm, okay, I wasn't necessarily loving it as much as I thought throughout. You know, fifty percent of the scenes, I would say. Sure, sure. I I think I think you bring up a great point because equally, you know, uncut scenes, just letting them go as far as them acting and going kind of free form with right. the dialogue, or if, if that's actually in the script, I could imagine Vaughn especially is probably improving a little bit because it's just so much his persona. It feels so yeah. much like his yeah. trademark. I could see why visually that could be boring as well, where you want to maybe cut it back and forth to him. Or well, a little like bit. That. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what it was. It's something with. I just think. My my boringness came from I th- I do think a stretched out of scenes when hmm. they first get together where they have two different ladies and they're in the RV or something like that. Right, in right. That I just felt like it lasted a bit too long. There was a there was a bit of just a bore to it. Mm, and mm. again, I I maybe it was just a problem. I thought I was going to be stepping into something that did move a little bit quicker. Again, mm. it's called Swingers. I was yep. expecting something snappier or more energetic, sure. and it wasn't. Sure, it's a lot of people sitting down often and. and <laughs> talking <laughs> yeah <laughs> for real it's a dialogue movie for sure and i have to say i think and john favreau's character i thought was written pretty well yep. and i thought he was the most enjoyable on screen okay so a good performance and maybe the most i've liked john favreau sure um since yeah really yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely uh, i i think that's great and uh you know really more more than anything i think um when it, when it comes to my expectations for this film, I had the big question of, can this escape the 90s vortex? Hmm. You know, uh, we covered this with Heart 8, you know, being an example of something coming out and being derivative of a Scorsese or Tar- Tarantino landscape in the 90s. We even uh, talk about Scorsese in yeah, the film. Yeah. And uh, honestly, that the, there's a wonderful turn that that's a comedy bit in the film. <laughs> so I, I was I was pleased on that. Hmm. Um, I you're think so right. You're so right about that heart eight. Yeah, it was very heart eight ish. Yeah, I feel very similar about these films. Actually, mm-hmm. hmm. they they all. I mean, not that it's it, it, there can't be copycats or they can't be on the shoulders of giants, 
sense, but I feel like the the footprint that Scorsese and Tarantino leave in early 90s, everyone's playing catch-up. And actually, I believe both well, of these come out in the same year. I believe they came out in the same year, and yep. they're both dealing with, you know, they're both in Las Vegas. Yep. You know, the yep. one is more in L.A. Swingers sure. is more in L.A., but they're, they are in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Even just the way it looks, the way it's shot, yep. I, I, there's a lot of similarities, I think, there. Dialogue-driven, trying to make mm-hmm. realistic dialogue mm-hmm. on the Tarantino side. In, uh, in, in, my, in my opinion, uh, both uh, there's a, a little boring yeah. <laughs> in ways. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I think I, I want to give credit to this because it was something that I wrote down as, like, notes before even like getting knee deep into the film and the fact that there was a comedy bit around it i i did kind of like that it was it was wearing its references on its sleeve uh and i think that was yeah that was cute for comedy if that was something like in heart eight where it's a drama or a crime i i don't think that would be acceptable i think it was kind of cute as a you know a first first script you know I paying like, homage. Yeah, I, so. I agree. I think it, I th- it was very fitting. Yeah. And it did. It was almost like, okay, you, you know what you are. You know what you are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For that reason, I would say this could kind of scratch a, a recommendation for a nice film buff movie. There's a lot of shout outs to other films that it wears on its sleeve uh, and specifically shout outs to Tarantino and Scorsese in, uh, I, I mean, if I'm being mean, rip-off shots. The Copacabana <laughs> shot is taken. The, and the and the the walking diner shot from Reservoir Dogs is is blatantly yeah, yeah. ripped off, but also recognized <laughs> yeah. as it, so it's kind of all right. So, like I said already, I think the comedy structure is identical to Sideways. In addition to this, uh, it does tell a, a struggling actor tale in L.A., and I don't know, maybe I could kind of pitch it as a bro version of La La Land, even. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to stick no, or not. No, I don't think it's sticking. <laughs> stick. uh, but more than anything, I would say it's it's a watch for its high-paced dialogue and, and fun performances. It may not have a breakneck speed, but I feel like if you're if if you're engaged in the dialogue and maybe not annoyed by characters, I think that's a good point that you brought up that these characters didn't work for you all the mm-hmm. time. Uh, I think that's where I'm coming away with uh, with an above average recommendation. We're gonna go ahead and give Swingers 1996 a 68. Wow. <laughs> Okay, 68, okay. It's a money film. What, what can been, I say? I've been surprised by all these. Baby, it's a uh, money film. <laughs> We're um, in. It's on. <laughs> wow, okay. I Wow. I, I'm definitely not quite there with you, as okay. I said. Yep. I didn't hate the film. Uh, I just thought it was lackluster, boring in, in areas. Uh-huh. Vince Vaughn was a bit of a letdown. Also, uh, That's the uh, biggest uh, tragedy. Other two main kind of big actors, Ron Livingston, he just plays, he's supposed to be there as normal dude. He yeah. plays a fine job of being a normal dude. And yep, then Patrick yep. Van Horn as well, or Horn is, is another kind of friend in this foursome mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then you have girls maybe pop in and out. Heather Graham makes an appearance. Yep. And she's kind of, that's this is her take on, she's about to be on fire a little bit. Mm-hmm. She's in mm-hmm. this because then, then she's in Boogie Night. She's of in course. Austin Powers and she gets in. So she's on a bit of a rise there. But I got to tell you, I was really going back and forth once again between one shoe and one shoe with the laces, wow. with the lace, which is a very weird. It's, it's it needs to be. I don't even know where. That's, it's tough. Yeah. It's tough. If I had to take percentages of what below, how what's what's the width that that one shoe, one lace <laughs> what's the measurements? contains, it's, it's very small. 
I was liking it more you talking about it. I'm glad that you liked it. Sure. But I have to stick with my original thing. No, yeah. Uh, this gets this gets one shoe, and wow. that's it for me. Wow. It gets I, one shoe. That's the biggest tragedy, because I felt... I know. I mean, this was the Vince Vaughn pick. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but oh, man. I look at it as nowhere to, nowhere to go but up. Sure. And it... <laughs> Much like Battleship Potomac gets one shoe, but it's like elements of, hey, maybe you should watch if you're a movie buff. Definitely check out some scenes on YouTube. Yep. Okay. With Swingers, watch an early Vaughn because you get to see, you do see elements of Vaughn oh, yeah. and how it becomes a guy again. Something about him. I don't know if it's him being too young and too skinny where it's not, and it's the fact that it's not perfected yet. Yeah. Comes off as a little annoying or grating. Yeah. And then also I'd say watch it for a John Favreau or something like that. Otherwise, I... I didn't find it too electric as, mm-hmm. as much as I thought it was going to sure, be. Sure, sure. That's why I give it a one shoe. It's so funny you mentioned with the weight thing as well because he really does look almost unhealthily skinny yeah. for how well, you tall up, we, and how big a dude We had he is. dinner on Friday. It's one of the only things that you said about it. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, it was skinny. He's really He's skinny, skinny boy. and young. <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah, so that's my that's my feeling on that. It's interesting. It was an interesting few movies here. <laughs> well, we are getting to uh, yeah. we're running long, folks. Oh yeah, by the way, we're running long, definitely. <laughs> so let's jump ahead here. This is 2018. This is uh, Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot by Gus Van Sant, and we ran through before. You know, definitely done has done big movies in the past. Yep. Uh, the reason why I picked this, it was an Amazon film that no one heard about. One because mm-hmm. it came out on Amazon, and two, something else was happening or something else came out where. It came out and was immediately kind of folded under other mm. things. I had brought up when we had talked about when I the birthday movies when I gave them to Vin that Jonah Hill is in this film as a supporting character. Mm-hmm. And he was came out and publicly said how upset he was that Amazon kind of buried this because he felt it was some of the best acting he might ever do in his life. Mm. And now no one's going to see it. Wow. So it's a different kind of story. I think it's a very clunky title, which doesn't help itself in getting out there as well. (laughs) But it's Joaquin Phoenix as a main, as I say, Jonah Hill supporting, uh, Rooney Morris supporting, Jack Black makes an appearance as well. It's an hour and 54 minutes. I always felt that it felt a little bit longer than Mm. that. Felt like a two-hour something movie. Sure, sure. But this is Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot. And let's get into it a little bit. Sure, yeah. I, I would say the only other note I have for Gus Van Sant is that uh, he does some highs. He also does some lows. Uh, and that being the uh, the Psycho remake from the 90s with Vince Vaughn giving us a loose connection oh between God. these two movies. I forgot he was <laughs> in Very that. loose connection. I forgot but, he was in Psycho. Yeah. Um, but I would say this is, was a very refreshing watch because, honestly, uh, I knew nothing of the real-life story um, that it spotlights. Um, Can we just actually take a pause there? Sure. And so out of all these, like, have you heard – the only film that you really haven't heard of was this film, correct, that I gave you? Uh, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. So you were really coming coming in blind. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, especially, if anything, to your point about the Amazon release, it absolutely did get brushed yeah. under the rug, <laughs> despite me loving Joaquin and whatnot. I know. So. I know. Joaquin Phoenix plays John Callahan, uh, a real-life American cartoonist whose struggle with alcohol defines his life beyond expectation. Uh, in uh, Callahan's cynical, joking way, the film unfolds as a great dark comedy, constantly bouncing between grim depression and awkward but funny silver linings. We follow him through his recovery through Alcoholics Anonymous, physical disability, and a blooming career as one of the most unusual cartoonists. I can't say I was really too familiar with Callahan, period. His I wasn't really, yeah. or anything like that. I mean, his style is, I would say, vaguely rec- reminiscent of, you know, a... 
political cartoon that you would see in like the New Yorker or something like that. Sure, clearly yep. that's the case because that's the guy. I would say you know one of my one of my loves of this film is editing and story structure. It was a big highlight here. What could have been a very by the books film telling Callahan's story in a kind of biopic mm. style, we instead are presented with many moments out of order in his life. I really enjoyed how the story was weaved together in multiple time periods of his life, but right from the beginning we see how the alcoholism overlaps, and I felt it was really just a, a great way to to present it, and where otherwise it could have just been a very, very simple kind of rise from the ashes type of story. Funny, yeah. It's I never thought about that, but man, that you're so spot on with that. Yeah. It could have been really quite a boring film. Oh yeah. Yeah, like very boring and one that for good reason people don't know about, mm-hmm. or I think it's a shame people don't know about this because it's so solid. Yeah, you're right the way the way it kind of develops and it's given to us at least. Yeah, it's, it, the presentation of mm-hmm. it. Um, I would say it's it, it's it's not just them taking the pot line, taking the plot line and scrambling it up for variety either. There is an important buildup with how alcohol plays a role in each stage of his life that really made the whole experience work for me. It's um, there's definitely a deliberateness to when we're seeing specific lows and when we're experiencing you know his rise so to speak as as little as that is also a highlight is Callahan's real cartoons are interwoven into scenes and I would say do a wonderful job at relaying his eccentric perspective on life uh, Callahan's a real interesting dude from what I've researched and obviously what I've experienced mm-hmm. in this and his cartoons are, are are really a window into his psyche both for his sobriety but also how he kind of has grown and maybe have um, you know ex- an experience of all walks of life rough or not uh, above all else, though, I think the biggest strength comes from cast variety. You you rattled off, uh, honestly, all of them, and there there's even a lot more bit characters. Yep. Um, this film is packed with these small bit characters that are all funny and endlessly quirky. I would say the AA group is a solid example of literally everyone in the room being a great character. I enjoyed those sequences. <laughs> Every one of those sequences I enjoyed. I think why my, I'm praising it is it doesn't lead to noisy scenes. No. This wasn't like, you know, I, I'd hate to, you know, we, we were good. We didn't bring up Marvel once, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not like a Marvel where everyone is fighting in, for an edge to give their quip. And it feels like busy scenes for that reason. Yeah, it feels very, re- it feels very almost real. Yeah. And everything's just seemed very appropriate. And some of those AA scenes and some of those characters or bit things, it, it's important just to give it that, because like you said, almost dark comedy mm. a little bit. It was important to get those comedic aspects a little bit, those oh, yeah. small little nuggets that I think really helped the movie along a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It makes it easier to watch it. Sure. I think you're, you're totally right where, whether it be the AA scenes or some other things, where it was all just very appropriate mm-hmm. and not over not overstaying. Yeah. It's welcome. And it was that's nice. It's good. It's the characters have room to breathe, but it's not. Yeah, they don't overstay their welcome. Right, Uh, but it also doesn't feel like they're they're crowding each other. Uh, And I think you know. The uh, I don't know maybe it's the format of an AA meeting or something like that, but it, it it didn't you know there was no character that I was just like rolling my eyes or just like all right you know shut up or, or anything no like I, that. I think the writing was pretty solid for that and yep. and the actors that delivered it as well. Mm-hmm. I think Jonah Hill. This is probably the best time to mention Jonah Hill uh, yeah. since this was kind of the, you know at least some of the rationale in in watching this. Um, I would say maybe save for Jack Black. I'd really like Jack Black in this, but he's just in it, not 
you know, a huge amount. Uh, but Jonah Hill definitely, I think, gets the top for it because he really is giving an emotional performance, but also an incredibly unique performance. Uh, At times, he's the most normal. He's just like a normal person he's right. acting like. Yep, yep. He was really good at this. Yeah, yeah. And it, I mean, he was... Because uh, even when I said he loved this performance, he was upset no one's going to see it. Mm-hmm. And he said, really, over Wolf of Wall Street? Yeah. He's more exciting in a Wolf of Wall Street character. Mm-hmm. But the character he plays here feels so genuine. Yeah. He feels real on screen. Like, that dude feels real. Mm-hmm. I honestly, like, I thought he was really good in this film. Yeah. And specifically how his character kind of unfolds as well. Yes. Um, yep. You know, you can't kind of put a pin on why he is the way he is but <laughs> yeah uh, eccentric very, and, yeah, yeah. but not odd. a loud character yeah not a loud character at all yeah but uh very, very interesting for that reason and i would say again i i'm hard-pressed to say whether it's his best or not i would say it's definitely a top for jonah hill uh even among other comedian mm-hmm. performances I, in his youth he's not in it you know it's almost a two-hour movie he's not in it all that much mm-hmm. but he is in it i mean yeah. he's definitely a main supporting um, and maybe that's why we're Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, he just is, he's has a lot more punch yeah. in a role like that. Yeah. But, uh, the only thing I couldn't find about his character is obviously this is is Callahan's real story. I believe it's uh, he he died in in 2010. So uh, I don't know if this is kind of going off of a biography that he wrote or anything like that. I couldn't find his character as a kind of a nonfiction aspect. Oh, okay, um, interesting. So I don't know. Um, uh, I'm 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 curious around that aspect. Other than that, though, uh, I I thought it was phenomenal. I yeah, thought it was a it was a really great. Edition. And his character alongside Joaquin, I think it was really good as well. Yeah, I think those two characters played off really well to each other, mm-hmm. the yin and yang to one another, kind of. So I'm, I'm glad you liked this character because I was really excited to see what you would say. Just because step because going into it, knowing what he said about his own character mm-hmm. and watching it, mm-hmm. I mean, we came across watching it just pretty like, oh man, he was really good. Yeah, I mean, at yeah. that one point, I don't know, he's getting emotional at one point or something like that, and it's just like, wow. Yeah, this is not Jonah exciting. Hill? Yeah, nothing's <laughs> exciting. It's not like this. This much is happening on screen, but like, good job, good yeah, job, absolutely lived up to the expectation yeah. for sure. And I say the same for Jack Black as well. It's one of the most you know. Jack Black makes appearances here or there, yep, yep. and uh, I really liked it. That's yeah. funny because we'll see it pops up in next film too. <laughs> the loose connection, to <laughs> the not the planned, chain link. but yeah. Um, yeah. But some of the most I enjoyed Jack Black in this. Oh, for some, sure. Some people really loved him in a Bernie character. Oh, when, I, yeah. When he did that. Mm-hmm. Uh, him popping up in this, I, I really quite liked. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and and kind of, again, played perfectly as a bit character. Didn't overstay his welcome. Yep. Exactly made an impact, made a splash while yeah. he was in. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'll end, actually, with Joaquin. I would say he's fantastic, as usual. Uh, big surprise, I know. But I feel his performance shows how Callahan absorbs the life around him and feeds that into his cartoons. As a disabled performance, a lot of runtime is dedicated to showing the inconvenience and the kind of personal hell he has to suffer through as punishment for his past actions, but just how the film has a silver lining behind every dark joke, there's a reason for life passing him by if only for him to observe it better and again, feed that into his cartoons. Oddly enough, I found myself kind of comparing this to other dark comedies with heart. Uh, folks, I think if you enjoy something like Little Miss Sunshine or maybe even the recent Banshees of Shearing, this will be right up your alley. Uh, I enjoyed this film a lot, and uh, yeah, it's absolutely a shame that it did get brushed under the rug. We're going to go ahead and give Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot a 77. 
Okay, 77%. Very good, Vin. And I will just buttress that. Joaquin is phenomenal. Yeah. He is great. He is great. Now, hey, like you said, big shocker. <laughs> yeah, right. oh, oh, he played surprise. Great performance playing a drunk. I'll watch The Master. <laughs> Give time to this movie. I yeah. loved his performance in this. Yeah. It might be not be as grating as something like The Master. You know <laughs> right. what I mean? Right. He is so, so good in this. And it could have easily been awarded had this film got some recognition or came mm-hmm. out in theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, it was that good. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal performance and phenomenal performances all around. I love the story. I love the way it developed. The way this was handed and, and dished out to us was phenomenal. It, it definitely gets it gets two shoes with the laces tied. Oh wow! Excellent, um, excellent. Yeah, definitely one lace tied. By the way, not okay. <laughs> I was about to clarify. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm just thinking of this now. Do you think it may be not not suppressed, but do you think it maybe got pushed to the back burner because of Callahan being? I don't know, kind of a uh, not an inflammatory person in real life, but someone that has made some enemies no, through his cartoons. No, I don't think that. I I don't no? think it was okay. that. I think it you was other think- stuff going on with Amazon. Mm. I wouldn't be surprised if they needed to push other stuff in there because this is when they were also like buying their Golden Globes and everything like that mm. for other reasons. So I don't know if this was also when – no, it wasn't quite then. It was 2018. 18, yeah. So it's not – I was going to say because at one point Jeff Bezos steps down. Oh, but okay, that was okay. that was way more recent than that. Sure, and things. sure. But it could have been actually there was a shakeup. There was a shakeup at Amazon Studios who uh, deals with the Prime stuff okay. because it's a whole other kind of like CEO. Maybe it was that, but I know there was some type of reason, and mm. that's what kind of set off Jonah Hill a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But uh, good. I'm so glad you watched it. And so seventy-seven. That's a great score. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It, w- it was a very solid movie. Give it a watch, folks. Uh, I think yeah. I think there's a lot done to switch up the story in that editing and uh, that presentation there. All right. So don't worry. He won't get far on foot with a seventy-seven and a two-shoe, one lace tied. All right, folks. We're going to get into our donation segment here because we do have a our, a good friend, a good a good friend. <laughs> producing it. He's going to come up on that uh, mandatory watch. <laughs> he's going to come up well, on that. I think he's got, well, yeah. See, this is what's great. So we have Matt D coming in with 2001 Pennies, a Space Odyssey donation <laughs> again. Uh, Matt, just a great sustain- sustaining producer of the yeah. Daily Ratings. He's a good friend, Matt D, at Absolutely. this point. And yeah, he's just, he just always comes in with trickles here, trickles there, kind of working towards his directorship, which is again, $500. Uh, $500 is yep. when you get that thing. So anyway, mm-hmm. Uh, Space Odyssey donation. Matt writes, "Great episode last week. After you, after you introduced me to the existence of the original Dungeons and Dragons movie, I immediately went to watch the trailer. Based on that alone, I was shocked. Vinny thought it fell short of a spig. It's so bad, it's good. So I watched the movie, and I gotta say, I can't disagree more. This movie is a spig prototype. Wow. In fact, I immediately bought a DVD version to add to my spig collection." <laughs> This is the template for Spig. I am calling on listeners to watch this movie. He goes free with ads on YouTube. And to let Vinny know if it's Spig or not. Wow, that's a great review. So he was, yeah, Matt. so he liked it. I like from I like he immediately he didn't know about the movie, watched the trailer because he yep. was just like, oh, this is so bad, it's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then watched the film, bought the DVD. <laughs> <laughs> Matt D, you're a real fan. He also says, one more thing. When are you going to review Marcel the Shell with shoes on? The people need to know about this movie. <laughs> Listen, it's uh, it's it's on the list. I don't know. Uh, I don't, I, <laughs> Tom, that, you wanted that's that. That's an a well. mental black hole for Vin, Matt. I don't know. I'm right there. 
we're going to join forces soon and pressure this man into doing it. <laughs> I'll make a point for Marcel soon. I, if anything, or I mean, you no. can go ahead and donate to your $500 limit there, become a director, and then Vin has no choice. Because again, when you become a director of the Daily Ratings, you get to pick any movie you want for Vin to watch. It's your birthday that week as well. <laughs> Uh, Matt, that's awesome that you watched Dungeons and Dragons. That's great. I, I, I love the call to action, too. If anyone else does want to watch that, that yes. movie, let don't. me know if you think it makes the so bad it's good. Don't even feel like you have to donate. You can just hit us up at tom.vin at thedailyratings.com yeah. Yeah, if you want to email us and everything like that. Matt D's our, 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 our SPID correspondent. Uh, we're going yes. to have to put him on the payroll yeah. eventually just to give the flag if, it, if it's so bad or He's good He's going to get not. pissed that we don't have these badges on there so we're having a difficult enough time keeping up with the movies getting on the site uh, Matt thank you so much for coming in again Matt D coming in with the Space Odyssey donations 2001 pennies thank you so much also folks listening if you want to become a producer like Matt D you go ahead and go to the dailyratings.com you head to the donations tab and through monetary support you go ahead and send a donation our way. You write in a note like Matt did, and we'll read it here uh, on, the, on the podcast. No matter what you write, questions, comments, critiques, love, hate, whatever, you go ahead and send it our way. Um, we absolutely love it. Like we said, as this podcast grows, we think this is going to get more and more content-rich um, this segment. So, Matt, executive producer of Show 78, thank you. 78, Vin, we're getting yeah. up there. We're approaching Wild. the big 1-0. Yeah. 1-0-0. Um, <laughs> and, folks, don't forget, the newsletter is going to be coming out in two weeks. No. Maybe maybe a week. <laughs> he sees moving. When did I, I keep moving it back? Oh wait, no, no, no! It's going to be yeah, coming out this yeah. coming Monday. Yeah. That's right. This oh, this coming Monday. Yeah, I got to make sure that happens. Okay, so <laughs> sign up for the newsletter at the bottom of the website. Just put in your email, your first name. That's all the information. We'll ask you to uh, just verify who you are, and then Bing, Bang, Boom! You'll get that. You'll get yeah. that newsletter every week. It's going to be a good time. Um, again, I think more and more people will catch on as as that kind of gets on as it's well. At the bottom of the website, what's at the top? Donations. Yeah. So go to the donation tab and become a producer, an executive producer, just like Matt D. Uh, and we thank you all so much. Okay, Vin. With that, let's move on. Boy, let's go. This is <laughs> we're running late again, folks. We're running long. I got to tell you, we'll we'll talk about the box office, what this is doing. I mean, oh. we had dinner on Friday, and I said, and already after like just one day of research, I was like, sure. this movie is crushing. This yeah. movie is. Crushing, crushing it. it. Absolutely. I'll, I'll just start with that real quick. It's sure. breaking some records. It was a long weekend because mm-hmm. it was Easter weekend. So it's Wednesday to Monday or Wednesday to Sunday. Right. Yeah. The, the, not Friday to Sunday. The goalposts have moved basically. Right. So from the Friday to Sunday, like and if it was a normal week, it still made 125 million, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Uh, with the extended weekend, it made 205. Uh, recording this on Tuesday. On Monday, it made an additional 20 on a wow. back to work Monday, basically, wow. kind of. Crazy. Yeah. So, and internationally, it's up there in the upper 300 uh, millions. And it's not like Easter weekend is a movie-going weekend. I mean, maybe some family stuff you do, but most people are busy. You know, they're not going to the theater, I feel like. Yes and no. So one, it's the extended weekend, so that's what. So people have mm-hmm. off. That's one. It it is a movie release weekend. We okay. should say. Okay. However, I think it's safe to say you can expect drop off on Sunday. Mm. So there was a lot of drop off on Sunday, mm-hmm. but when your Friday and Saturday were upwards of fifty plus million, <laughs> they got it. They're doing just fine on Sunday too. You yep, know, twenty nine yep. million seems low, but it's not that low. <laughs> right. Right. You know, that's peak John Wick day basically, yep, and they're yep. nailing that on a on a Easter Sunday, which is extremely impressive as mm-hmm. far as as far as domestic it is already it was the number two best opening of an animated film as far as international wow. goes it is the uh best all-time animation opening wow. weekend 
Unreal. Yeah. Unreal. Literally crazy. Yeah. Uh, and it surpassed everyone's projections. Mm. Everyone's. So The hit machine that is Illumination. I mean, they know how to print money. <laughs> oh, a- a- and AMC stock is up. Comcast stock is up. Because, oh, of really? course, Comcast owns Universal. Universal owns Illumination. Yep. And down it goes and down it goes. <laughs> it's Illumination. It is an Illumination production. Yep. Uh, this is our newly released, the Super Mario Bros. movie. Vin, how was it? Well, I'll tell you what, it is a nosedive into PG-rated kids blockbuster. <laughs> I mean, coming off of Don't Worry, You Won't Get Far and Forth. I mean, that is a dark <laughs> movie at times. <laughs> we're going into practically G-rated. Uh, uh, quickly to shout out a previous episode, we actually covered the 90s Super Mario Brothers movie when the announcement of this film actually first dropped. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's only our 12th episode, so it feels like an eternity ago. But if you're curious about that, and plenty of reviewers uh, out in the internet are covering that old 90s movie in anticipation. We did it already. Psh, did it already. Yeah. We're on it. <laughs> Been there, done that. Too Audio cool. quality might not be as good. <laughs> right, it might right. be a little bit uh, stiffer there in the mics. <laughs> right. Yeah. I wrote that note. I was like, maybe I should listen to the 12th episode first. <laughs> I think it's safe to say it's probably under an hour. Yeah, yeah. And uh, not as good. <laughs> I don't think we're as comfortable in front of the old mics here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you're uh, right. It is PG. It's an hour, and it's, it's only an hour and 30. All right. So it's like true. We're dealing with like proper kids movie set up here. Yep, yep. Absolutely. And it's cross-generational. It really is. Uh, this is 80s, 90s. I mean, yeah. I mean, Mario's been running, I think, for 42 years, so it's a lot there. Um, this is the first feature film from director duo uh, Aaron Horvath and Michael Je- uh, Jelinek. Uh, Jelinek? Yep. Yeah, Jelinek, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, another entry from Illumination bringing in animation advisor Pierre Leduc. And as well, their trademark soundtrack-fueled approach to kids' movies. Uh, I think going back to when we covered Rise of Gru, uh, I was scratching my head of why there was it was so music-filled. But if you actually look at the catalog of Illumination, they're all music-filled. That's just the machine, and it's a money-making machine, as we see. So. You can take that back to Shrek, yeah, with Universal alone, right? You right. know what I mean? Uh, for 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 music and stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they were sure. yeah, they definitely had big music hits in there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there has been a lot of chatter online, folks, about this movie, specifically in audience versus critic scores. Yep. Uh, the critics hate it. The audience adores it. Honestly, I, I, I'm very excited to put my two cents because I feel like it's one of the most silly differences that we've seen in this kind of audience versus critic score. The story here is very simple. Two plumbers from Brooklyn get stuck, get sucked into a pipe and end up in the Mushroom Kingdom. I would say in a bit of a switch-up of the usual princess in a castle, Mario has to rescue his brother Luigi from Bowser, as the Koopa King himself claws closer to the love of his life, Princess Peach. Now, the majority of criticism online for this thing, and yeah. I, I can't believe how many people are taking their knives out on this thing. I mean, even, even other reviewers that I follow, they are light, they are easygoing, they, they hate this movie. Really? Yeah. I had a, I had a reviewer that I follow um, called The Worst Movie Ever. Are you serious? I was like, wow. I wonder why. I wonder why. Yeah. So, I mean, the majority of that criticism online is that the story feels empty and falls short of the Pixar-level emotional ride that, honestly, big animation films have kind of become this expectation to be. Mm, Okay, that's true. And I can understand how that bar has been raised for animation, especially in the last year or so. I mean, we covered with Puss in Boots, you know, a 
something that we didn't think was going to be anything and turned out to actually be quite good and, mm-hmm. and action-filled and, and had that emotional beats. But what I want to stress is, do these critics realize that the plot for the most famous Mario game is Peach inviting over Mario for cake? That's it. <laughs> like, that's that, that's it. No more. I mean, hey, you want to come over for cake? Uh, Bowser's in the middle. That's it. I, I just feel like... If this film tried to make this big, emotional, Pixar-like type of animation, I feel like it would be a total misstep for this. And if anything, not saying that this film was kind of doomed for just kind of a mildly acceptable kids film, but I'm honestly glad they didn't try to make something bigger or uh, more emotionally driven. Again, trying to chase that. So going into it, okay, we're going to make a Mario. uh, We're going to make a Mario Brothers movie. Okay, mm-hmm. it's going to be animation. Yeah. What would you want to see? Because for me, I know Mario mm-hmm. not so much, so much in the 80s. Sure. You know what I mean? Although I played those games. Right. But some Game Boy Color stuff. Mm-hmm. But then absolutely uh, Mario Kart and Mario Party. Yeah. So I want the crew. I want the gang. <laughs> and I want there to be some throwbacks, some Easter yeah. eggs. And I want it to be a party and go have fun. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like that's what it was. Absolutely. Uh, and it actually does an excellent job at incorporating a lot of different Mario games, retro and modern. I would say right out of the gate, I think this is much better than something like Sonic where they try to fit him into the real world. Uh, here we are thrown right into the Mushroom Kingdom and like a proper fantasy adventure, we leave the real world behind as quickly as possible. Not once was there a pop culture joke or a fourth wall breaking joke, and certainly no tacky product wow. placement That's stripping huge. us out of the experience. That's you know? huge. So we are strictly pretty much in. Mushroom Kingdom. <laughs> right. That's gr- that's a great though. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, I mean, <laughs> going back to those those Sonic films, I mean, if there there ever was an appropriate Olive Garden product placement, it was with the Italian plumber. <laughs> you know, I mean, come on. So uh, I you know, it, it's striking a lot higher for me for that reason. Yeah, it's, but it's, it, yeah, it's very fairy tale aspect at that point. Because yeah. you just boom, you're in a totally different land and, exactly. you, and you just stick with it. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and obviously that plays into no real life characters. We don't have this this difference in art animation style being contrasted right, with sure. real characters, which I think, again, not to overcompare to Sonic, but it is a, is a weak point, I think, of those films. Admittedly, I would say as the story unfolds, it may feel like an overload of nostalgia fest, but I was so happy we spent the majority of the time in the actual game world, not trying to be anything else. And that kind of goes on the same note of it's not trying to be an emotional story. Mario jumps. That's it. (laughs) So Mario jumps in the Mario movie. (laughs) The film also does a good job at incorporating a lot of Mario games. Donkey Kong, Mario Kart, both retro and Mario... uh, (laughs) Both retro and modern Mario games. And as a result, I think the movie looks quite good. This counts for the many locations that would be the worlds in any Mario game. But the animated camera as well. uh, Frames and scenes will have a great flow that whips around the focus of the shot, and surprise, there's a surprising amount of action that leans into this. Um, I wouldn't say this is the heights of bad guys or a puss in boots where I saw 
you know, anime influence in the action sequences. Sure, yeah. But they're definitely it's it's not like a generically shot film. There's a lot of cool sequences. Okay. And and, and the you know the animated camera work. If and you as will. far as our animation, how are we looking? I mean, it, it seems like it's super saturated colors, mm-hmm. something very poppy. Mm-hmm. And then is it smooth animation or is it close to the modern day games? What's been coming out? You know, what is our animation style? <laughs> I, here? I think it's definitely unique enough on its own. If anything, a slight critique there is that it does look. Uh, in, in line with, with illumination, uh, the type of bodies and the type of characters okay, okay. how they look. So, you know, there's not too much difference to the torso of a minion in Mario. Right. So okay. I don't know if that's kind of, you know, if that's what's pissing people off or right, not. Right, right. But and let me put out there uh, just just as a as a comment, and I think everyone has been talking about this. Kids have been loving this movie, and you know. Oh, okay. Uh, How was your theater, by the way? Oh, uh, packed. Yeah, packed to the brim. What are the ratio of adults to kids? Uh, I mean, I would say I don't know. I mean, there was it was just all families. Okay, it was all families coming in and to all see different this. age of kids because oh, yeah. it like. I mean, a lot of people who grew up with Mario Kart, or a lot of people that grew up, let's say this, a lot of people growing up with N64 mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. the ones now having young kids. Yep, Like, yep. they hit this, as far as timing goes, this yeah. is it. Absolutely, absolutely. It, it kind of fit in a, in a perfect spot, and definitely enough time away from the 90s film, if Nintendo really wants to distance themselves as much as possible. Right, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. From, uh, you know, Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo. Right. <laughs> Apparently there's some drama around the... Oh, <laughs> John Linguizamo, too, which I, I won't get into. This what, he wanted of... to be in it? <laughs> yeah, he oh, thought it was I like they were, cutting a, they were cutting a Spanish character. It's like, Luigi was never Spanish. What are you talking about, dude? You just didn't get the job. You know? <laughs> yeah, that was dumb. Yeah. I, I, did, I remember seeing that comment from yeah. him. Oh, yeah, 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 he's he been around. But uh, I would say a lot of fun Nintendo throwbacks. Uh, Luigi has the GameCube theme as his ringtone. DK comes out to the DK64 rap. Uh, which I love. Oh, really? Uh, That's yeah. Cool. Uh, shout out to Grant Kirkcobe, which of course is uh, the the composer for all the rare games. Uh, and I feel moments where I got wrapped up in this was around music. Uh, I was enjoying a lot of the musical motifs of Mario games in the past forty years. Unfortunately, that's where this illumination style of licensed music was coming to kind of bite the experience for me. There is that trademark of the studio to just pack and pack mm. the film with licensed music. There's admittedly a huge amount of 80s and 90s music, so they're kind of trying to, you know, Mario is a, is a is an icon of those times, of right. those decades. But I just found it unnecessary, especially since the score was so, so good. Was the score straight from games, or was it modernized a little bit? And, oh, definitely and orchestrated. Okay. Uh, if anything, it reminded me of you know the live orchestras that will go around and play uh, video game music, yeah. or be like a concert around you know this. Well, video, video game games. music is some of the best modern day orchestrating that we can get now. Sure. Or as far as I would say, music writing when it comes to that type of symphony things. Right. Where, right. You know what I mean? It gets a lot of love. Absolutely. So I, I don't know. You have so many intellectual properties going on mm. and so many people with their own themes or different games with their own themes. Yeah. You're right. You, they could have they could have went way more heavy. Yeah. In that than Music and like normal music, basically. Exactly. Uh, you were they know. pushing new music, or were they no. trying to stay in an era? Thankfully, it was okay, all. Yeah, right, it that's... wasn't. It wasn't like a a sing where it's designed to kind of shovel new music or anything like right. that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So it was kind of stylized around that. Um, but I, I just think it's a shame. I wouldn't be bringing this up as a criticism if it was one hundred percent all license. 
it, the score is there, and what's there is wonderful. Composer Brian Tyler did a great job at adapting these classic themes from Koji Kondo and amping them up for the big screen. I really do think it's wonderful. Uh, voice acting wise, it is hit and miss. <laughs> I just found it, it it's honestly a little tough to se- separate the celebrities out of them. Mm. Um, for some, this is going to be the biggest black eye for the film. For me, I just thought it was something that an adult would notice, but a kid would not. Sometimes it really works as well. Jack Black being our thread, <laughs> our connective link to the last movie, is great and shining in a way that only Jack Black can. Uh, so I, I'm just going to leave it at that. Uh, there's there's obviously a lot of spoilers around this movie floating around online, but Jack Black has a really great moment okay. uh, through this that only Jack Black could probably do and <laughs> probably has defined him being Bowser for the rest of time <laughs> until he dies. But others I just found very distraction. Charlie Day as Luigi is a perfect example. He just sounds like his always sunny character. He um, has such a distinct voice. Yeah. I love Charlie Day, but I don't know. It's just hard to separate it. I would say maybe even the worst is Donkey Kong having Seth Rogen's laugh. Yes, Seth Rogen's laugh is a meme, but it's just like, all right, it's just not Donkey Kong. Yeah, like, uh, yeah that's so true. Yeah. yeah. Now, and, and again, I, you know, I bring this up because it's a criticism for me. I think it's a criticism as well for crafting these characters for the inevitable friend. I mean, this is making get ready. Oh, you oh, can only yeah, imagine. Yeah, Nintendo's <laughs> like, why didn't we make movies sooner? <laughs> so I'll tell you what, Universal is out for blood <laughs> oh, with yeah. Disney just to, kind of taking a crap. Yeah. They're like, woo, let's just, yeah. just do Minions eight and nine. Oh yeah, for real, for real. So I think I bring up this this hit or miss aspect as exactly yeah. that. You know, I think that's a viewer, great point. You know, viewer, you know, uh, awareness. If that pisses you off, it almost probably helped with Chris Pratt because, like, he just kind of sounds like a normal guy. Yeah, that maybe that kind of that kind of works. Which yeah. where Charlie Day, he's just like it's such a specific voice. It's a little grating and like raspy in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And then like Seth Rogen of all people, You're right? It's just Seth Rogen. <laughs> exactly. Now, if you could go into the accents a little bit, they're not sticking. Charlie Day and Chris Pratt mm-hmm. are not stuck with having to do. It's a bit, right, yeah, right. Yeah, no, no. It is just them, basically. It's just them. They actually make a, a quick joke right in the beginning, and it's actually for like an ad that they made. <laughs> so they, they, oh, okay, you know, good. They play to it. So okay. Actually, on that note, I mean, comedy. I would say I, I wasn't like really like super in love with the comedy, but again, this is where I think it's very important to kind of take a kid perspective into, into account. The theater was busting up was at it? a lot of this. Yeah, where it was not in Minions. No, no. Right. Minions was boring. <laughs> Lightyear was depressive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, okay. Yeah, so, I, I just I just feel like uh, the, the critical reception is really tearing this one apart with an expectation that this had to be so emotionally impactful, like all animated movies are kind of dipping into. Right. But again, Mario is a guy that jumps. That's it. Uh, So I don't know what the expectation was. I have no doubt that some of this appeal uh, of the film will fall off with time. And definitely as further Nintendo properties are coming out, if anything, just the sequel to to this film. Yes, it's a very simple story uh, that might be too surface level to have staying power, but I need to stress that Mario is a simple game. Uh, this is a slick-looking animated movie that doesn't get lost in telling a deeper story and was a story that was never there in the games to begin with. Instead, its only priority is having fun jumping around a video game world. We're going to go ahead and give the Super Mario Brothers movie, get ready, a 64. 
Oh my god! Look at that. Okay. <laughs> you never. <laughs> Tom never likes the the gimmicky scores. It really is how I feel about it. I'm not. I'm not just choosing. No, no, no. no. I know. Gimmick, I know. Sixty four percent. I think that's great. You know, yeah. I I I have to say this. I, it's nothing I was excited for, mm-hmm. and then just the swell around it and how well it's doing, sure. and it's so cross generational. You know, it, it's kind of exciting. Yeah. It is kind of cool that we have this this great kids movie that's coming out that people are actually enjoying. Mm-hmm. Clearly, audiences are enjoying, but the critics are not. It's very funny. And <laughs> what I see in your score is very much a, a split between those two, which yeah. oftentimes it is, mm-hmm. which I like, you know. But where in so many times where these Marvel movies are getting great audience scores because you got the fanboys, mm-hmm. for some reason, critics also like them too. Yeah. And then we're just, you and I are stuck on an island for whatever <laughs> right, reason. Right, right. Even though I still feel we're with the mass population. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I think that's a great kind of a true telling of where this movie lies. Yeah. 64% because, boy, there are some highs on it if you're looking mm-hmm. at just fans and there are some serious lows when you're looking yeah, at critics. Yeah, I think critics. it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's unreal, honestly, on both sides. I think calling this film 100 or 96 or whatever. Uh, and right, then, down in the 30s or 40s, which yeah, I've seen it at too. it's just like, all right. I and mean, then you as a person, how do you go and judge that? Absolutely. Do I go see this or do I go see something else? Mm-hmm. Do we just stay in and turn on HBO Max or something? Mm-hmm. It's not a very strong April for movies coming out. Mm-hmm. This film is going to continue to it's just skyrocket this yeah, month. this is the backbone for it April. It is unbelievable. Uh, I will say Wick is still in, in was second second spot, which is <laughs> cool, great. hanging on there. Uh, just reading it and reading the just the stats on it and things like mm-hmm. that and how good of an Easter weekend it was for this or how good of a week weekend since this it was again this year it's so great 2023 kind of seems like movies are back and stabilizing mm, you know what, yeah, you know absolutely. what I mean? we don't need it just a maverick or just an avatar <laughs> and it's like this saved movies it's like finally there's some things people want to see yeah and you go to the movies you go to the cinema sure you kind of just get used to you know what i mean you 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 throw yourself with the big screen and enjoy mm-hmm. the story and genuinely want to see it they're I not just that. seeing it because it's the only thing either you know if anything that's you know what you're kind of getting at with yeah know. i mean hey air's doing air performed better than they thought I mean, the one thing that's not doing well is Dungeons and Dragons. Sure. You know what I mean? But this overperformed, Air overperformed, John Wick is still performing well. Yep. And that's great. There's movies out there people want to see, like you said. Vin, anything you want to add to this? Or are we going to, uh, we're going <laughs> to no. roll credits? Let's wrap it. This was a, I'll say this was a great birthday week. Hopefully a long uh, time tradition to come. It was fun. It was <laughs> yeah. a lot of fun. I'm glad it was great watching four of these five films. Yep. And having a little bit back and forth there. So, Vin, thank you so much for watching these. Thanks for sticking through it. Thanks for coming here. Uh, folks at home will run it down one more time here. We have Battleship Potemkin with a 55%. The Bridge on the River Kwai with a 69%. Swingers with a 68%. Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot with a 77%. And the Super Mario Bros. Movie with a 64%. Folks, thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you next week on the Daily Ratings Podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, if you would, could you have a gust? Could you give us a good rating <laughs> or tell a friend about us? It's my birthday. It doesn't matter. If you're wondering if a film was worth the watch or if you just hate to see more movie ratings for Vince, be sure to stop by thedailyratings.com, where we have our ever-expanding catalog of films. Also, if you found value in the podcast or our site, become a producer and go to the donations tab on thedailyratings.com. You can donate whatever amount of value you feel you receive from us. We're looking to build this into something large and great, folks, but we also want to be independent from those corporate sponsors. So we greatly appreciate any support from you all. So thanks so much, and we'll see you next time on the Daily Ratings Podcast.